Welcome to an all-new episode of Get Lit with Leanna, the podcast. Join me as I sit down with a new guest author in each episode to discuss their books, careers, and everything in between. Today's episode is very exciting for a variety of reasons, but mostly because I'm joined by K.A. Tucker, who was one of my all-time favorite romance authors, and she's Canadian, but she's written some of my favorite love stories that I've ever read from The Simple Wild to Say You Still Love Me to The Player Next Door to Until It Fades, the list goes on and on. She's so insanely talented. She's written so many books from an array of genres, from romance to fantasy to suspense. There really is no limit with what she can do. And I can't wait to talk to her today about her inspiration for some of these books, how she's managed to write in so many different genres and so much more. So here we go. My conversation with the incredible K.A. Tucker starts now. Welcome K.A. Tucker to the podcast. This is very exciting. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for having me. It's great to finally meet you. I've we've kind of like been back and forth a bit online, so it's nice to finally talk to you. I know. It's so nice to finally be able to do this in person and well, in person, kind of over Zoom. Kind of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Sort of. But before we get into some of my favorite books of yours, because I have so, so many, I would love to know a little bit more about you just because I'm not so familiar with your background. So can you take me back to the beginning? How did the writing career start? What were you doing before you were writing? Like, let's just go way back. Sure. Um, so, well, I'm, I come back, I come from a sales background. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't um, wasn't writing. It wasn't something that I was do- went to school for or anything. I went to school for business. Um, you know, when I was little, obviously, I wrote all kinds of little stories, and I, and I love doing that with princesses and dragons and all of that. But <laughs> that passion kind of you know disappeared, I guess, as I grew up. And and then uh, so I went to school. You know, had a whole career. Um, had my kids, had two kids. And when they were, my second one was very young and I was at home on maternity leave. I'm Canadian. So I was on, I was at home for a year. Um, and it was a couple months in at that point. And uh, I, it, it was a bit tough, to be honest. It was tough. I had a difficult second child. And then my first child actually ended up later on, we found out she was diagnosed with autism, oh, but wow. at that time we didn't know that. So it's kind of a, it was a tough, kind of a, a tough situation and I needed an escape for myself. And I had been reading obviously for years, but I thought, you know what, I have an idea. I'm just going to sit down and write and I'm going to do this for myself completely. And just as an escape. And, and then I started writing and I just fell madly in love with it again. I really, really, really found my passion. And so then from there, it was still, it was still hobby. It was still years of a hobby of learning how to write really. Um, and I, I knew that it was something I wanted to do. And I actually, and I, and I went back to, to work full time and, but I was still writing at night after the kids were in bed and, um, and self-publishing. So I self-published several fantasy type stories just on um, like regular platforms and again, just a, just a hobby. And then I self-published 10 Tiny Breaths and that one did extremely, extremely well. And then from there, it kind of just snowballed and uh, I you know, received an offer for representation. I received an offer from a publisher. Um, and at that point I knew it was I, something had to give. I couldn't I couldn't do it all. Like, I've been writing full time for, I guess, since that was since 2013. 
Oh, wow. Nine years now. Yeah. And I write across um, several genres and um, I've got different types of romance and I've got a couple of thriller suspense type books. I have a YA that I actually wrote for my daughter, my older daughter. Um, that's Be the Girl. And I have uh, some really steamy romance, a couple of series of those. And then <laughs> Wild, which is kind of a the romance and and women's fic blend. So I'm yeah. kind of I'm kind of all over the place. I have a fantasy now. I'm working on the second one. So I heard you. Yeah, so I'm all over the place. <laughs> you you are somebody that I've been dying to speak to, just because you have dabbled in so many different genres and excelled in all of them, which I feel is crazy. And we don't see many authors that are doing so well in so many diverse different, different types of stories. But before we get into some of my favorites, because obviously I'm a big romance girl and those are my number one favorite books of yours that I really want to get into. But before we do that, I need to hear more about like how the whole 10 tiny breaths thing took off, like from your end and your perspective, like one day you self-published the book and then how soon after did it take off? Like, what was that experience like? So, you know what, it was, it was pretty immediate. I would say I was, I was very, I was lucky. I was self-publishing or I self-published that book at kind of the right time in the market. There was that point where there, um, there weren't a ton of self-published or indie books and there was a a big hunger for it from, from readers. And so I just, it was, it was, it was a good time. It was 2000, you know, 12, December, yeah, it was December, 2012. It was a great time to to be self-publishing. And, but I had also built up a readership at that point because I'd had several fantasy of 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 YA fantasy paranormal series. So it wasn't out of the, I, out of the gate, like I was just out of there. Hi, it's me. (laughs) I, I had had a few years and a few books that, um, I had brought some readers in who were interested in seeing kind of the other side, the romance side and, uh, and bloggers. And so I, I, I was able to reach out to bloggers and they were really, really great with helping with that. Um, I actually, I hired a, a publicist, so okay. that was also great. Um, so I had help. And then on top of that, I had a lot of luck. And, and then, yeah, I mean, it was, was December, as I said, that I published that. And then January, I think it was January 2nd or whatever the first day back from the Christmas holidays was, um, when the publishing industry shuts down and the first day back, the editor emailed me. Um, and then, and then from there it was like, it was, it was, it was, I mean, you know, here's your contract. And then I signed it and the ink was almost still wet. And then I was phoning to give my notice for my, for my job. So okay. because at that point, I'm like, wow, I have three more books I have to write. And one of them is due in six weeks. And ah, you know, oh so. Yeah. so what's your writing like schedule? Like, do you devote like specific time to the day? Do you treat it like a nine to five where you're only going to write between these hours? Or do you kind of do it like whenever you have a moment, like how have you managed to devote time to writing while managing everything else in your life? I know you mentioned you have two kids, you have pets, you're doing a lot of things. <laughs> Um, you know what I used to, it used to be the, whenever I had a little bit here and there, that's how I used to do it because that's the only way that I could do it. Having two small children and a career and everything, it was always at night, or if I could squeeze a half hour here or an hour there, I, I, I can't do that anymore. And I think just partially because, because it's now my career, but also my brain just doesn't work like that anymore. Um, 
it has changed somewhat, I guess, maybe with each book that I write. And so now I I have to sit down in good long blocks of time. I need to be able to know I've got a few hours at least um, where I don't have to be running in and out. There's not people coming in and out of my office. I have a door and it's closed (laughs) and the walls and, you know, I can't, I, I'm not a, I'm not a person that can go to Starbucks and, and I get so distracted so easily. So as soon as people are around, I'm listening as opposed to writing. And, um, so I, I'm pretty, pretty specific that way. Um, my best hours I figured out are between 10 and 2 PM, but I write after that, um, as well. Like I just, I was writing about half an hour ago. Um, and, and I usually then turn into a pumpkin at a certain point. I know that like my evenings, my late night, round, yeah. you know, when I say late, I mean like eight, nine o'clock <laughs> <laughs> that's late. Um, you know, we'll be kind of for, for first draft, messy draft, just get something on the page. I might, might squeeze in 500 words or something at night before picking up a book or going to bed. Um, but but it's never anything good the next day I go fix it. So I, you know, I get into, I've got my routine now of, I know what works and what doesn't, I know after a certain time or when I might hit a certain wall, I just, I need to stop. Right. Um, but I, but I do work long hours. I do when I'm on deadline, it's usually seven days a week. Wow. Uh, just because that's how I need to be fully immersed in, and, you know, and if I pull myself out, it's, it's, I don't know, it's like not working out for, for a while and then getting back into it. Right. I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, and then, yeah. And then when I finish a book and I get it to the editor, I I've now started and actually a friend of mine, um, she said that she did this and and now I do it too. And it's brilliant where I take a month off between books. So when I finish, but which is, is fine because I probably have a month or two's worth of marketing and administration to catch up on that I've that I've done nothing with, right? Okay. They just I just leave it there as I'm on deadline and I'm not looking at any of that stuff. And right, so okay. then I'm kind of scrambling to catch up with all the business side of, of writing because it's not never just the books, right? There's a whole other side of it. Right. And you oversee a lot of that for yourself, or do you have a team behind you that helps? No, I, I do most of it myself. I am starting now. I'm starting to um, get help. Okay. And I mean, I have a publicist company that um, they're a publicity company that I work with um, and I'm starting to get help with some social media and I'm starting Amazing. to help with, with things, but, but it's mostly me. <laughs> so. Crazy. Cause you're doing so much, truly so much, but I'm really curious about how you manage to jump between genres and do it so successfully. Like when you're immersed in a romance story, is it hard for you then to jump and go do a fantasy and then go jump to do a suspense? Or do you stay in a romance brain and try to bang out as many romances as you can? Like, how do you go back and forth? Or do you find it even hard to go back and forth? Uh, It's, you know what, it's actually not for me. I find um, when I, so when I just finished Running Wild, which was a contemporary romance with, like I said, a women's fic blend in that that world. Um, And I finished that and I put it aside and I knew that I was moving into fantasy after, and I was quite relieved because you, you, I could not step back into that world again. Um, and I'm finding that more and more now. I'm a, I'm a mood reader. I'm apparently also a mood writer because okay. I need to I need to be in the mood. And um, and yeah, I like I, when I sit down to write a book, I give it my all, and I really, really, really focus on, on running wild. Very focused on that. And and now I, I need to step back and and being able to shift between different genres I find stretches stretches my brain really right Right. because I have to switch I have to think differently 
Um, You're working different muscles. Yeah, it's and it's and I find I think in the long run, I think that's going to make me um, a better and more well-rounded writer, I think, personally. So, I mean, for me anyway. For sure. Well, speaking of running wild, the first book I read of yours was The Simple Wild because I started I've always been a reader, but in the height of the pandemic, Obviously, there was a lot of downtime and I was like, I can't keep numbing my brain re-watching Gossip Girl and the same TV shows that I've <laughs> been doing forever. So I was like, I need to start reading. And I went on Goodreads and I was looking up top romances and The Simple Wild immediately caught my attention because it had mentioned that the girl Kala was from Toronto. And I'm from Montreal, but I've been living in Toronto for the last 10 years. So when I know that, okay, that's great. I'm just north of Toronto. (laughs) So when I saw that the protagonist was a Toronto girl, I was like, I feel like I'll be able to relate to this. And I picked up the book, me and two friends, we all buddy read it together, the three of us, all of us Toronto. And I wish I like had those texts to read them off to you. We were cackling. My friend was like, she's putting on her heels and she's going out in Yorkville. Like, where do you think she's going? Let's pretend like, is she going to Casamoto? Where is she going? Like we were all dying and that hooked me right away. And I love the book, read the book. I was obsessed. Like I still am obsessed. I think I've read it like two or three times. I've, I really love it, but it seemed like after I read it, everyone started speaking about the simple wild. Like even my friends that weren't big readers, everyone independently was finding out about the book. And I'm wondering like, from your perspective, did you notice a huge bump in readers and people reaching out to you like during the pandemic? Like, was that a big time for you, especially with that series? Yeah, I would say, I mean, so it was a combination of things. It was yes for definitely because of the pandemic, there were a lot of people stuck at home and all of a sudden really same thing. They were like, how many Netflix shows can I watch? Right. And, uh, and so then they finally, you know, a lot of, a lot of new readers came out, but also I released wild at heart in February of 2020, which was right before the pandemic. And so the timing for that, I mean, it was, it was good in the sense that every time that you release a new book, um, there's, there's noise behind it, like a new book within a series, there's noise behind it. Mm -hmm. And so that drew in people who hadn't read The Simple Wild. So, you know, and then Forever Wild, I released that December of 2020. 20. Yes. So it was almost a year. Right. Um, and then I just released this one. So yeah, just kind of staggering or stretching them out by a year is, is I think has helped. Um, and, and just releasing more in the series has definitely brought more people in. Yeah. And building out the story world and writing about some of the other people, not just Kala and Jonah. I feel like every, everything I've heard from everyone that's read them has, has loved all of the books for a variety of different reasons, but the number one thing I see, at least online, is that Jonah is like the ultimate grumpy hero. And I was laughing. I saw that you were posting on your Instagram the little bookmarks of him, how he was drawn out. Oh, right. That was um, like the the little cutout, the, yeah, the Jonah cutout the with bookmarks. the green. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, this is exactly how I pictured him, like to a T. <laughs> And I'm curious, like, what the inspiration was behind his character in particular, because I know, like, I really resonated with Kala being like a Toronto girl, but Jonah being so like grizzly and mountainy, and I'm just so curious, like, where you got that inspiration from, and to create a character like him. 
Uh, you know, I don't, I can't say that it was any one thing. Um, you know, obviously he, I, he was going to be attractive because I needed him to be attractive for Kala and because right. it's a romance. Right. So, but I did like the idea of, of him being completely unattractive at first. And so, you know, trying to, trying to spin that is a little bit, so of course he's going to look like a Yeti. Right. So, <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of his personality, I wanted, I, I mean, I knew I wanted somebody very strong willed and very, he's, he is stubborn and he's, he's a bit um, bullish and, and bullheaded, but he also has a heart of gold. And I, I wanted to balance, um, you know, all of those things. And so it was, he was, he was a character that took me a little bit to get to. And then when I got there with him, I'm like, this is, this is exactly what I wanted. And now it's so easy to write him. So he stuck with yeah. you this whole time. It's easy to go back to him. Now to get on to two of my favorite books of yours. I don't know which one to go into first because I love them both equally. And I feel like neither of them are spoken about enough because I just feel like everyone hears your name and they automatically associate you with either like your fantasy books or the simple wild. But I am obsessed beyond measure with until it fades. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, Great. Oh, good. I can't even begin to tell you. And when I read the plot, the synopsis of the book, and I was like, this is just calling my name for a million different reasons. First of all, like the famous person, regular person trope is my number one bread and butter favorite trope. But then we have a hockey player, which is just being Canadian, like growing up all of my crushes (laughs) as a teenager were like players on the Montreal Canadiens. So like that I was just dying over. And I need to know, like, where did the story idea come from? Like, why did you choose to use a hockey player? Like, was it just because the Canadian in you thought that that would be a cool tie in? Like, tell me about the whole hockey part first, and then you could tell me about the inspiration for the story. Uh, You know, I mean, I don't I don't know why I I can't say that I specifically said, oh, it has to be a hockey player. But to me, that was that was interesting. Like it was I mean, it was it was an interesting twist on it right because he's got the hockey player which gives him his own kind of famous persona but then he has the background with his mom right and his and his family but his mother right who's the movie actress so um it was just a little bit of of a different twist on a trope that's um fairly common and um so yeah I like, I mean, of course, yeah, I love, I love hockey. I love, I mean, I, well, we are not watching the Leafs so much lately, but we were <laughs> until they've, you know, disappointed and crushed us over and over and over again. We're, so not, we're not really, really watching the Montreal Canadiens this yeah. season. after last <laughs> yeah. season. We're also taking a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're not watching uh, a lot. We, we yeah. used to be diehard every Saturday night, you know, we'd watch the game yeah, and yeah. make the pizza and then everything. Yeah. And yeah, it's been, it's been, um, it's been a bit soul crushing the last few years. So <laughs> That's an aside, but for a long time, yeah. I mean, we that's what we would do, and and I love hockey. And my daughter plays hockey, and my husband plays hockey, and okay. you know, so we're definitely a hockey family. Um, and yeah, so it, it, like that's just that's where that came from, and then from an inspiration for the story, I think if I recall, well, I know at one point I remember thinking, um, you know, that that tragic accident with Paul Walker, right? Oh my god, and. Yeah. And in my head, I was thinking, gosh, you know, what if, what if somebody could have just pulled him out, you know, before that happened? I mean, I know that it was not going to happen, but imagine, you know, and then Mm -hmm. from there that just, that's how I always start my stories is just some little, little, little idea like that. And then, um, and then I spun it and I, and I, 
all of my stories, I always focus on the female. And so Catherine is obviously the, the heroine in it. And, mm-hmm. and I wanted a story. I wanted to build a story around her, um, you know, and so she's got her past and, and, you know, he's, and then she comes in and then there's that tragedy and, you know, yeah. he's really, he's a cinnamon rule hero. He's, he's not grumpy. Goodness. He's not, there's no enemy. Yeah. There's no, not, and, and I th- felt like there didn't need to be that because there was so much drama that she was bringing in. Yeah. And, and, and then the drama of the night and, and yeah, I, I, I loved writing that story. I wrote that after, I want to say it was after, yes, it was after he will be my ruin, which was a thriller, which was yeah. difficult and dark and like murdery. And yeah. after that, that I was like, I need, I need romance. Like I need a fluffy, fluffy romance. And that's why I went with until it fades. It's so crazy to me that you could jump from one like subject matter to another like that, like so seamlessly and just get your brain into that. I feel like I would just be like stuck on the thriller that I had just written and not be able to like throw myself into a romance. So it's such a big credit to you and your writing ability and your brain. It's incredible, really incredible. I mean, for me, it's, I I couldn't, uh, if you had said to me now, right, you just, you've just written, he will be my ruin, go write another thriller like that. Mm-hmm. I think my head would explode. <laughs> so uh, me, I'm like, nope, I need, I need a break. I need to, to move away. I need something very fresh. I think that's what it is. I always need to keep, keep it fresh. Right. So being able to change genres is, um, is a fresh way to write for me. One of my other favorite parts of Until It Fades is the fact that Catherine's a single mom. And I admittedly haven't read many single mom romances or single parent romances, but I know that you did it in Until It Fades and you did it in The Player Next Door, both books I adore. So I'm curious if it was at all challenging or what maybe the intention was in doing it in both of those books. Is there a theme? Like, I'm just curious about about that and how you wrote it in such a way that it wasn't cliche. It wasn't cheesy. It was just a genuine story and how it was incorporated into both love stories so well. I wouldn't say that it was necessarily intentional, but at the same time, I mean, I think it's, it's a snapshot of reality. Um, I mean, I, I have friends who are single, you know, everyone, or when I say single, I should say are divorced or, or, you know, never got married and had a child. I, you know, I have, I know several people in that situation. Um, And that's just, it's just typical. It's, it's, you know, that nuclear family is, is, um, you know, not so, not so typical anymore. And so I wanted to, I mean, I, I always like to, I just always like to take a, a realistic approach to every family and every character that I build. So yeah, I really love that. I, that. I love that in both of those books. Um, but another one of my favorite books is Say You Still Love Me. And I love it for a variety of reasons, mostly because it's a second chance romance, but also because it's a dual timeline, which to me seems like the most challenging thing in the world to write. And I'm sure you're going to tell me, Oh, you're nodding your head. It's hard. It's hard. (laughs) So I need to first hear about that. Like how, what kind of techniques do you do? What kind of outlining do you do? Like, how do you successfully write a second chance romance that's going back and forth in timelines? Uh, So I'm not a big plotter. (laughs) That's, and that's probably an understatement. I uh, do not plot. I have learned over the years and over the books to very loosely outline. Um, And when I say loosely, I mean a one page, you know, here's some major themes and and points and and beginning, middle, end and acts and and, just plot out. And then I, 
it's more of just so that I'm not shooting an arrow into a forest with no target. Um, it gives me a very small target um, that I would probably not hit and I usually never do. But um, so that's, that's the extent of my outlining. Okay. Um, that, and, and because I need to develop characters and the story as I get to know, really, as I get to know the characters, that's how a lot of the time how I develop the story. Um, and I need to make sure that the story meets the characters that I, or matches the characters that I, I want to be creating. So, um, so it's a lot, I do a lot of revising throughout. Yeah. I'll say that first of all. So I'm not the type of person to write from beginning to the end and then go back. I, okay. I hit, I hit walls regularly. I hit walls at about 50% every single time. Really? Um, and I, yeah. And I have to go back and I, and I have to change everything because things aren't working in and heading in the direction that I want them to go. Um, in the case of say, you still love me I, now. also I write I'm a linear writer. So I have to start at the beginning and write through. I can't write scenes here and there and everywhere and kind of just attach them and put them together. I can't do that. Okay. I was going to ask but, if that's how you wrote this one, but that's interesting that you always write it linear. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a linear writer. I have, and I, cause I lose feeling of the story if I, if I don't write in the linear path, I guess. But when you're writing um, like the dual timeline of it all. Are you writing the past at once and then the present, or are you going back and forth as you're writing, like literally linear writing? Yeah. Literally, literally like going from chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. And, uh, and the, the, the tough thing about that book, especially, but writing, um, past and present is you're creating or you're developing characters in two very different parts of their life lives. Um, and people change, right? And obviously, in Cities to Love Me, they definitely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it's very difficult to develop two kind of sets of not personalities, but two sets of characters. Really, um, it was it was tough. It was it was. I will not lie. That was a tough book to write, but I enjoyed it, I, and I enjoyed you know incorporating the friends and you know and everything and the family and as yeah. I always do. It was a really big story, but I loved that the past scenes took place in a summer camp because I grew up in a summer camp. Honestly, I feel like every time I read a book of yours, I'm like, did she know me? Like, there's just like little hints of me <laughs> in all of your books. I don't know if that means that I'm very basic and I'm like, it, I'm, I'm very like, well, um, spread out and I have a lot of interests, but summer camp is something that like is very dear to my heart. I spent like 15 years going to camp and I've never read like a romance book that takes place in a summer camp. So I didn't even know that going into Say You Still Love Me that that's what the past was. But did you have a summer camp experience, a summer camp romance? Like, where did the summer camp of it all come into play? Um, so I didn't go to summer camp other than one summer camp with the, it's a horse camp. And it was okay. I was like seven and it was not fun. Um, so, no, I didn't. I was not a camp girl, but my kids have been going to camp. And so um, up at our cottage um, in northern Ontario, we I would take them to a day camp there, a great camp right on the lake. And we drop them off in the morning. And so I've been doing that for a few years, especially when, if I was writing that way, you know, when they were younger, now they're a little bit older and, and well, COVID and everything makes yeah. camp difficult, right? That's, that's kind of stolen or stolen a few years, of, which is unfortunate, but yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would drop them off. And then the funny thing is, is I, because I had no internet at my cottage, okay. I still have no internet at my cottage. So if Very I had low. any, 
Yeah, if I had any emails or anything that I had to do for work, I would, it was, this is about a 15, 20 minute drive from my cottage. I would tether my phone on because I could get reception there and I'd sit in the parking lot and I'd, one, I'd just like catch up and whatever. But as I'm doing that, I'm watching the camp counselors and everything come through and and I'm just watching and see what's going on. And and I started to think, God, these guys must get into a lot of trouble here, right? And, uh, they're, they're there, you know, these counselors are there for eight weeks or something like that, living there. Um, and yeah, and then I and then I actually started asking a few questions. And I always pull readers a lot of the time. I'll go and for research and I and okay. I reached out to my reader group. I have a Facebook group, and and so I just reached out to them and said, Hey, any of you guys have been camp counselors? You know, I've got an idea, and I was just curious, what's this like? And so the, some of the stories that I got from people I remember were fantastic. Sure. So yeah, that's how that came about. It's so funny because when I went to camp, it was always a thing that our camp directors would say to us, like, this is a camp for campers, not a camp for staff. And that was always a thing that they would reiterate, like, this is a camp for campers, not a camp for staff. But obviously when you have that kind of like um, environment, the, ca- the counselors are young, they're in their late teens, early teens, like they're obviously going to go wild. I have to say, I never experienced anything nearly as wild as what goes on in your book, but there was definitely <laughs> a lot of the stuff. Well, a lot of the stuff that I brought up were, were spinoffs of actual real stories. Oh. Right. So I, I wasn't making like, you know, it wasn't um, completely exaggerated. I'll okay. Say that. So the, the people in your reader group went to more wild camps than I did. <laughs> but I have to say that when I was reading it, I was totally picturing my camp. And even though it's obviously a completely different place, like when you were talking about the cliff and all these things, I was like, I fully I'm envisioning where I like grew up. So that was also another like little like piece of home that I felt while reading that book. Another part that I loved is the whole forbidden love storyline and how her father really didn't want her to be with her boyfriend. So can you just tell me like the forbidden love of it all? Was that always going to be part of the storyline? I know you said you're not so much of a plotter. So like, when did that come in? I'm curious about that because it's also one of my favorite tropes. Yeah. I, yeah, I always knew. So usually when I go in, I usually know, um, you know, is this going to be an enemies to lover situation? Is this going to be, you know, or forbidden love? What is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always do. And I knew that and I, I wanted to do a story because I knew, um, you know, I knew that she would be coming from a, a wealthy family and that, you know, in, in the present, I wanted her, I wanted a powerful, powerful female, you know, executive. I wanted yeah. to show that I didn't want it to be the the billionaire man. I wanted it to be the female. So yeah, it's such an um, awesome role reversal. So there were, you know, I don't, I'm not a plotter, but a lot of the time when I come in, I, I try and shape around in my head. I try to shape what I want this story to be. Um, you know, what, what the conflict will be or what, you know, what the situation might be. Right. So I always knew that going in, I knew it had to be. And, and I mean, in, in that case, it's always, it's, you know, the, the easiest thing is rich and poor. Right. And, yeah. you know, what families you're from. And uh, when I say easiest, I mean, um, to write, you know, to right. it's it, or easiest to understand, I guess, for the, for readers, um, you know, everyone experiences that. So. Right. And, when you write your books in general, not about any specific, but when you're writing your books, do you picture them like as movies in your head? I do write in scenes. So that's how I write. Um, I don't picture you know, movie characters or anything like actors. I'm, okay. I, I never, I'm never in my head thinking, oh, this, this character that I'm writing is this person, this actress or actor. Okay. I don't, I don't think that way, but I write in scenes. So it's very, very specific of, you know, walking into a room and okay, this is where it's starting or walking in or, 
Um, yeah. So I do write in that sense. It's interesting that you say that because I find, especially when I read your books, that they're very like visual to me. Like I really can see them. You really paint a very clear picture. And I feel, especially when I'm reading your books that I'm watching a movie. That's, and, and that's just because in my head, as I'm writing, I, I need to be able to, I need to be able to see the story. Right. And that's, I guess that's how, how it is. So I, I can picture everything happening and, and then I, and then I write it. So. Right. Amazing. Yeah. So what are you working on now? I know you have another fantasy book coming out. I have to tell you that I have not yet read the first one yet, but my very good friend on bookstagram, Allie, she read it and adored it. And I'm not a fantasy reader. And she's like adamant that I have to try it because I love you. So she's like, just try it. And then we could read book two together. So I think I'm going to have to give it a go, even though like, I'm not so much a fantasy girly, but what else are you working on? What else is coming up? Uh, well, so yeah, so I'm working on uh, Curse of Blood and Stone, which is um, the second book. And then beyond that, I have I have a few ideas. I mean, I, I know I'm absolutely going to write the sequel to The Player Next Door. It's The Hustler Next Door. Um, that's been on the back burner. I was supposed to write it last year. And then, I mean, and then the pandemic hit and and I was not feeling funny. So I don't okay. know because I, re- I want it to be, I mean... Player Next Door is a spicy read, but it's also, there's a, quite a bit of comedy in there. There is. Um, I love that book and, too. Yeah. And so I think, and with, you know, with this being about her best friend and who personality wise is just lends herself to being much funnier yes. um, and spunkier. That's, I think there'll be a lot more of a kind of romantic comedy vibe, but I wasn't very feeling, feeling like that last year. So it's still coming. I've got that. I actually do have an outline for it's a two page outline, not even just one, but two pages. Um, so, and I have that all planned out, but I just haven't been able to do that yet. So that's the plan. And then I have, you know, a couple other ideas that I'm not committing to, and I'm not even talking about, um, but you know, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm trying to keep myself to at maximum two books a year, because that, that's a lot as it is for me. Right. Um, I'm not, I'm not a fast writer. I'm not, um, there's a lot of people who are, who can write quickly. I, I'm not. <laughs> so. Fair enough. But your books are quality and that's what matters. I love them all so much. And I didn't know that you were writing a sequel to the player next door. So now I'm so excited. I was going to say for my fantasy, um, I wrote it with the, the intention of appealing to non fantasy readers. So, you know, and, and that was one of the things that a lot of readers who said that I don't read fantasy, but I'll try it because I'm your reader. And yeah. they, a lot of them, a lot of them have ended up enjoying it. So I'll just I'm say sure. that. I'm sure uh, I will. You might, you might not. <laughs> you might not. But I, feel like um, I will. But I, I loved writing it. So I'm it was um, it was it was very refreshing to write that story. Okay, I'm definitely going to give it a go. You'll be my first uh, dabble in the fantasy pool. Oh boy. <laughs> no, it's good. It'll be good. I think that if I have to start with anyone, it has to be you. <laughs> I hope okay. so. Now I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> no, it's unnecessary. This was so much fun. I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and talking to me about these books. I love them all so much. I'm due for a reread for quite a few of them. I haven't read until it fades since I first read it, which was, I don't even remember like almost two years ago now. So I'm really, really excited to pick it back up and and read it again because I really 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 miss those characters somebody asked me a question recently about it and I was like gosh I don't remember that part and so I'm like okay I need to go back yeah I, I need can't to imagine back. like trying to keep all of your books straight and stories straight like especially when you have such a vast library like I kudos to you <laughs> oh, well, well thank you for having me this was great and uh yeah I mean I'm obviously always always willing to talk so 
hit me up again. Oh, when the hustler next door comes out, we're going to do a deep dive on the player next door and the hustler next door. It's going to be a next door. I like that. I like that idea. We're doing it. it. It'll happen. You hear it. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye.